Hey everybody, welcome to the Blue Ridge Church of Christ podcast. My name is Phil Bruns. Thank you so much for taking time from your day to be with us. Well, do you feel like you're in a bit of chaos? Have you ever felt like you've been in a bit of chaos or do you know someone that their lives might feel that is in chaos? Well, today Ezra is going to speak to us about how Jesus has come to help us with the chaos that sometimes plagues our lives. So stay tuned. Hello, I'm looking forward to our final message in our series on the names of Jesus. Today we'll be talking about the Prince of Peace. This is a continually relevant topic for me, as I look around and see so little peace in the world. I was listening to the radio the other day, and a woman was talking about how difficult it is to focus on tasks in front of us when we're distracted by all the horrible things in the world around us. And she started listing some things which I'm sure each of you could also list. And honestly, I'm getting tired of it, of hearing about all the things that are bad in the world. And it's not hard to think of five or ten things that totally rob me of peace. I was going to compile a short list of things that we can worry about, but I realized one of the things that takes my peace away is when we vaguely reference them in order to get some emotional response or connection. So instead, I want to be hopeful. Let's say in this new year of 2024, all of our problems will cease. Everybody will vote for the same candidates to elect in November. We'll all get 30% raises. All the mental and physical health concerns will be healed. World hunger will be solved. Climates will return to normal. All wars will come to peaceful diplomatic ends, and it will be great. Okay, well, I can't tell you that that won't happen, but I can say that it's unlikely. There will be changes this year, but there will still be pain and chaos. But for those who listen to Phil's message about Emmanuel, we know that God is with us and has always been with us. So instead of some outrageously hopeful New Year slogan or something dismally fatalist, I want to propose a new year where we connect with an ancient peace. So I'm here to talk about the Prince of Peace. And as we look to the future, let's look forward to how peace overcomes chaos. The term Prince of Peace is introduced in Isaiah chapter 9. I'll read verses 1 through 7. It says, Nevertheless, the gloom of the distressed land will not be like that of the former times, when he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future he will bring honor by the way of the sea, to the land east of the Jordan, to Galilee of the nations. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. A light has dawned on those living in the land of darkness. You have enlarged the nation and increased its joy. The people have rejoiced before you as they rejoice at harvest time, and as they rejoice when dividing spoils. For you have shattered their oppressive yoke, and the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, just as you did on the day of Midian. For every trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war will be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will be on his shoulders. He will be named Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. The dominion will be vast, and its prosperity will never end. He will reign on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and sustain it with justice and righteousness from now on and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of armies will accomplish this. This is a beautiful passage. 
about how the people of Israel would be saved from their oppressors by this amazing God who is called the Prince of Peace. Before we go any farther, let's spend some time on definitions. Prince of Peace is a great alliteration, but it captures just a small piece of the true meaning. The Hebrew word translated as prince can mean any authority, a chieftain, a ruler, or a captain. And the word that's translated as peace is the word shalom, which can mean completeness, soundness, welfare, and peace. Shalom is like God's creation coming to completeness. So imagine a world where nothing is lacking. Everything functions as it should, and there's no chaos and disorder. Broken relationships are mended. Injustice is punished. Wounds are healed. That is shalom. And we often call it paradise, and we often think of it as something far off and unattainable. Somewhere we go after we die, maybe. But Jesus is the ruler of the land of Shalom. He is the Prince of Peace. And he came here to us on earth as a living human being. But this Prince of Peace isn't the ruler of some empty paradise land waiting to be populated by dead people. He has real living subjects. Let's read Colossians chapter 2, verses 9 through 10. It says, For in Christ lives all the fullness of God in a human body. So you also are complete through your union with Christ, who is the head over every ruler and authority. So by uniting with Jesus, Jesus' followers get to experience the completeness of God, which is God's peace. He is the prince of a kingdom that exists both in heaven and on earth. And it's a kingdom of completeness and peace. So Jesus is the ruler of shalom. He's the captain of completeness and the prince of the kingdom of peace. But there is, of course, more to the story. There is a really dark reality mentioned in the passage that we read in Isaiah 9. It mentions the gloom of the distressed land, people walking in darkness and living in the land of darkness the oppressive yoke and the rod on their shoulders, the staff of their oppressor, and every trampling boot of battle and the bloodied garments of war. This speaks to a people who have experienced great pain. The Israelites had been through a lot. Do you know that feeling of deep distress, like a devastating pain that just cripples your will, and thoughts that are so heavy that it's hard to stand up underneath them? I certainly have and it never really fully goes away. I want to share a story from my life, but before I start, I should give a trigger warning for suicide. In 2017, I was a resident assistant in the dorms at the University of Southern Maine. I was really excited to be an RA and help the freshman students in my dorm navigate their first year of college. One of my residents was a kid from Quebec named Danik. He was very French-Canadian. He wore a visor on one of the first days of school, so we called him Visor Guy. But honestly, I, I found it hard to connect with Danik. I'm not sure he liked me all that much, because I kept knocking on his door and telling him and his roommate to be quiet. But he was a great kid, and he could make everybody laugh. He could crush a dozen Krispy Kreme donuts in the time it took him to write a two-page essay. And he was the rising star of the men's hockey team. But he had his own inner battles. And on the Sunday before Halloween, after church... I came home from my dorm to one of my residents, who showed me some concerning texts from Danik's old girlfriend. I went to his room to check on him, and there was no answer. 
The night before, while I was doing the rounds and telling Halloween parties to go to bed, Danik had come home from a party and killed himself in his dorm. I didn't know any of the details at the time, but I knew enough to blame myself for not checking in on him earlier. This sent me into a dark place full of self-loathing and grief and raw pain. My view of myself as someone who helps other people was flipped on its head as I saw myself who just lets other people die around him. I actually developed a stutter, and I was diagnosed with minor PTSD. I was thinking of sharing a poem that I had written from that time, but honestly, all of the poetry that I wrote from that time was absolutely terrible. Every week I would relive the first day after his death, but then that continual emotional pain began to separate out into periods of pain and periods of normalcy. Then the end of December came around, and I was looking forward to the new year, and I thought in this new year I would finally get over it all and be a normal person again, a person who could sit through a history class without bursting into tears in front of everybody for no reason. But the new year came, and all the pain was still there. I wasn't cured, and I was devastated at the realization that I was going to have to live with this for a long time. I started seeing a professional counselor, and she helped me see what I could do with my life. Because of her, I spent the next summer with my aunt and uncle in Thailand, and I went to Haiti with a program called Hope Worldwide, and I learned a lot about mission work. I graduated college, and I quickly decided to ditch any career opportunities I had and I went to Eastern Europe on a mission team. I met my wife there and we got married and we decided to move to Charlottesville to work for a church here. So what I'm telling you is that this terrible dark time in my life was part of a chain reaction that set off a series of choices and events that brought me to where I am today. And honestly, I wouldn't say that I'm cured to this day. It's just that the periods of pain are so seldom now, and they last only a short time. And I share this story with you because I want you to understand that while the darkness in this world is very real, God is sovereign over it all, and he sent the Prince of Peace to us to overcome that darkness. But the darkness is still there. And that's why I can't say that this new year all the world's problems will be solved, because I know that there is still darkness. The darkness was actually there all the way back in the second verse of the Bible. Let's read Genesis chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness covered the surface of the watery depths, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. God saw that the light was good, and God separated the light from the darkness. So I want to talk about this idea of formless and empty. The Hebrew term is tohu vabohu, and this means desolate, empty, without form or order or function or purpose. The images of darkness and deep waters also symbolize the chaos and disorder to the Israelites. So this is the state of the earth before God brings light in order. And in the rest of chapter 1 of Genesis, God separates the chaotic things from the ordered things. He fills up the empty things and assigns function and purpose to the things that had none. And as I was copying this passage down, 
I realized that it shares so many similar themes with the passage in Isaiah 9. In both passages, there's darkness and chaos, and God brings in light and order and peace. So yes, we live in a world full of chaos, but that chaos is almost like a blank canvas on which God creates beautiful things. In my story about Danik, I'm still grieved about the loss of his life, but I can also see how God brought light back into my life in a beautiful way. And it wasn't immediate, and it wasn't expected, but it was wonderful. God was able to work through the chaos in my life to bring something beautiful and to show me a new function. So I've talked about the Prince of Peace, and I've talked about chaos, but I want to put those two together and showcase this epic confrontation between the Prince of Peace and the forces of chaos. There's a beautiful prophecy in the book of Romans. In chapter 16, verse 20, it says, The God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. So this is Paul prophesying about the Christians in Rome being used by God to bring shalom, peace, to a broken world. And let's notice here that the Prince of Peace is not necessarily a peaceful prince. He is the prince who brings peace. So Jesus crushed crushed chaos not by actually killing dragons like St. George and the dragon, but by dying. And he doesn't fight the way humans fight. The Prince of Peace uses other tactics, the tactics of love. Jesus literally had to go through hell in order to show us the way to his kingdom of peace is not through violence and earthly power. And he invites us to crush chaos with him. According to Paul in Romans 16.20, he will use us to bring peace to the world. We, his followers, can bring peace to those around us by loving them, even when we're hurt, even when it's hard, when we're in pain. We don't give up loving to the very last bit of our strength. And God will use our feet to crush Satan, the Lord of chaos. So to conclude, I want to challenge you to live in the truth that peace is greater than chaos. Jesus, the Prince of Peace, invites us into his kingdom where we don't have to be afraid of the chaos around us. Not that we deny the presence of chaos, but we have the freedom to reject its power over our lives and the lives of the people around us. I hope that was helpful, and if you liked it would like to hear more, please don't forget to like and subscribe to this podcast. And if you're in the Charlottesville, Virginia area and would like to stop in and visit us at a Sunday service, please send us a note or visit our website at blueridgedisciples.org for more information.